coming up later in the episode. I had to tell them that I already had the plan to have that conversation with my son of what he has to do with the cops or something if you get put over the cops. What do you have to say just for you to make it home safely? Some white people had questions and I was just like, you would never have to give your son that conversation. That's inherent in my mind that, oh, one day we got to have this conversation of what to do with the cops. It's unfortunate, but at this point, I want to do everything in my power to make sure my son comes home safely every night. This is Still Talking Black, a show about giving perspectives to issues that minorities face every day. I'm your host, Richard Dodds. Today's episode is part two of a five-part series where I talk to mothers of black sons. Talk about some of the things they have to go through when raising a black son into a man. Last episode, we talked to Kendra, and she talked about some of the additional issues that she had raising her son because he is biracial. This episode, we're going to be talking to Letitia, who has a younger son. As we go throughout this series, you will see that a lot of the mother's perspectives are different, but they still have to deal with some of the same issues. And some of them have unique issues depending on how old their child is and the background that they come from. So again, I want to say thank you to all of the mothers. Part three will be coming out Friday, part four next Monday, and the finale part five will come out that following Friday. If you like what we're doing here at Still Talking Black, the best way to show your support is by liking, rating, and sharing our content, buying merch from our store at stilltalkingblack.com forward slash shop, or donating using the link in the show description. Every little bit helps. Thank you for your continuing support. Hi, my name is Letitia, and my son is two years old. So how did you feel when you found out you were having a boy? When I found out I was having a boy, I was excited. And it was my first pregnancy, too. So I was excited um, and scared, but a little bit overwhelmed because I knew he would have definitely have some issues growing through his life that, you know, most people wouldn't have. So you have all those feelings up front and it's definitely overwhelming. But overall excitement, though. So that was good. What is it like being a mother of a son? Scary. Because they're, you know, they're they're naturally daring, right? So, <laughs> uh, so you know, their their nature is very destructive too. So it's like, so that's scary too, because he's always climbing up on things, especially at this age and everything. And just knowing that, you know, one day, you know, he's going to be a man, a black man. So it's just scary overall, and you have to keep that in mind when you're trying to raise a little boy into a, a black man too. You have to always keep be conscious of that. So, yeah, is it is it destructive or is it as adventurous and fearless? Sure, we, we can say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 you know, sometimes I just feel like he does it on purpose. Like, oh, I'm just gonna take this crayon and mark up this whole wall with it. Oh, fun times. <laughs> to me, I think that's destructive. Mm. When I gave him a big sheet of paper to mark on, but yet you don't. Want the to paper is that. not as big as the wall, though. To be fair. True. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> a, a bigger canvas, I guess. Exactly. And he can, he can, maybe I need to get my easel so he can just, do upright stuff. Just trying to express himself. That's it. Yeah. Okay. I will give you that. <laughs> <laughs> so, how would you explain the connection between you and your son? Awesome. Like, 
we have a very person, you know, we're, we're very in tune with each other. And, you know, I understand when he's what he's feeling and what he needs without him, you know, obviously broadcasting it. Like I know when he needs a nap. I know when he's hungry. I know when, you know, he's having a bad day. So I would say very in tune and aware. Like we're definitely aware. And I think he's aware of me, too, because, you know, sometimes he just come up and give me a hug. And I'm like, oh. I needed that hug, you know, <laughs> you know, so it's just very, you know, unconsciously things like that. So that makes total sense. So um, what are some important lessons that you've taught or plan to teach your son? Well, since he's only two, I guess mine will all be planning, but I like, I wanted to teach him to be a strong individual and be safe as far as when he leaves out the house, right? But also be aware that you are a powerful being and you can do anything if you set your mind to it and you don't have to be afraid of anyone, but you just have to do it in the right way. So, and I want, I want to make sure that he understands that he is a, a little king and I want him to conduct himself accordingly. So those are all the things I want to teach my son. Like we do, like we have this one affirmations that we do and like when he goes to bed, we do the I am's like, I am great. I am beautiful. I am smart. So I want him to understand, like get in my, his mind early that he is amazing the way he is. And I don't want no one else to think, make him think otherwise. And then the last one is, of course, is I am a king. So he, he screams that part. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, and I make sure that that's the excitement on that part too, that we both scream that part. So like, so that's what I want to teach him. I want to teach him that he is perfectly made just the way he is. That's a beautiful lesson. What What does I am a king mean to you when he says it? When he says it, <laughs> I feel like the, the fact that he gets excited to say it at such a young age, at two, I feel like he already recognized the importance of it. And, and so he's seen like, you know, we have our little books that so he knows what a king looks like. They have one of the nice little feral <laughs> things. So he like, you know, so he, he, he already put two and two together like, OK, that's a king. Right. If he, if he could open a book and say that's a king. So I feel like he's putting two and two together already at such a young age that he's going to grow up with such a great understanding that most little black men, little black boys don't get to grow up, especially if they have, especially if they have an absent father or something. So to have that connection early is amazing. So mm-hmm. he recognized it. All of his king books are, his kings are black pharaohs. I was thinking in, until Black Panther came out, we really didn't have many there, great examples of, of black kings on media, on television, maybe in books, but not not on television. You're absolutely right. So that's, we. I make sure we had those type of books. I make sure he has the imagery and the representation that he needs in all his books. Like, yeah, sure, he has probably like one or two books of little white kids or something, but most of his books have Black people. So I want him to be immersed in the Black culture. And I want him to be proud of being who he is. And I never want somebody to dull, dull his little shine because he wakes up happy and I want to make sure he continues that throughout his life to wake up and be ready for the world and be happy to be in it, though. So that that's beautiful. And it's great now that we have books and and media that represent us, that the people look like us and we don't always have to have someone. We're not reading stories about people that don't always look like us. Yes, I, I do. I am happy about that. And a lot of people are getting, you know, a lot of more stuff is like publications coming up with black people in it. And a lot of a lot of black authors are, you know, putting out these type of books to help us understand to our history and everything. So I am all for it. Like any ones I come across, I save it in my cart and then, you know, do one big cart cart. <laughs> <laughs> 
and have them all shipped to the house, though. Are there any lessons that you've taught or plan to teach your son that non-Black mothers don't have to teach their kids? Absolutely. Like, like it's crazy because I had to actually go through this when we, when the whole, like, George Floyd thing happened at work. And so they had this this whole big old, con- you know, company-wide, department-wide of, like, unconscious and stuff and how, you know, how to be relatable to Black people. It was just a whole bigger deal. And it was funny and it was it was weird that I was actually like, oh, do you want to share your experience? And I'm just like, oh, really? <laughs> okay, but sure. And this is probably like, you know, obviously it was probably just born a couple of months, like eight months or something. And so I was like, I had to tell them that I, I, I already had to plan to have that conversation with my son of what he has to do with the cops or something if you get put over the cops. Like, what do you have to say just for you to make it home safely? Hmm. So, and and they were just like, what? They was, you know, they was, you know, some white people had questions and I was just like, you would never have to give your son that conversation. But I, I already know in my mind that I already had to give it to him. Hmm. Like we, that's inherent in my mind that, oh, one day, we got to have this conversation of what to do with the cops, what to do when you're at a white location or you're surrounded by white people. Like you have to, you have to have those conversations with them early or your son is not going to make it home that night. Or, you know, it's unfortunate, but at this point I want to do everything in my power to make sure my son comes home safely every night. Thinking, thinking about some of that stuff going into all of the tragedies and the way that black men are, treated in america do those tragedies hit you any harder now that you have a black son that you're raising to be a black man absolutely like i find myself crying like when i see stuff on the news like especially when it comes like when i see you know little kids being hurt or neglected or it was that one story where the cops had put over these 10 year old boys put the guns out on they was like walking home from the park like those stories like actually make me cry like i used to be sad before like oh my god this is terrible but once you have a son, it's like it hits totally because that could be your kid. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, I find myself in tears after certain stories like, oh, my gosh, this is just terrible. Because at any moment, this could be my kid. Right. If he walks to the store or he's going to the local playground, like when he gets older, this could be my kid. So it definitely hits a lot harder once you have a son, a black, a black son, for sure. Thinking about like representation, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. The sad thing is so many times the representation that we've seen in media is that it's these tragic stories. We see ourselves in these tragic news stories, but we're just now being able to see ourselves in these uplifting superhero movies and, and different kinds of productions as technology changes. It's just I, f- I think media has such a strong tie into how people tend to see themselves. And, and if all we see ourselves as headlines, it makes it really hard to have a lot of hope. And I'm really glad mm-hmm. that you get to raise your son in a world that is now being at least more open where you can see things other than the bad things. Yes. And as a parent, you have to be conscious and mind, like mindful of what your kid watches because it's a diet, right? Like you have to make sure you're feeding your child the right diet. And he doesn't want, like, I make sure like whatever he watches on TV or something is it's always some type of representation. And so like, yeah, he likes cocoa melon, but that's like, whatever. <laughs> but like, you know, and I make sure like if I'm to be watching something, if he comes in or something, if it's not right or something, I change it. Or like, I'm always aware of what his eyes can see. 
especially at two, but I, I'm pretty sure it's like when you're old, like your kid is older, I'm, you have to definitely be aware of what they're bringing into their mind, their spirit, because all of that affects them. So they, they might not say it to you, but they're going to feel it on the inside. So you have to be mindful of the, the, the things you're feeding your kids as far as media, books, literature, like books, magazines, music, all of that is feeding into their soul. You have to be mindful of that. So thinking about how some parents, especially it's like some black parents tend to raise their kids to be athletes and and different, you know, football player, basketball player, something of that nature. Are you mindful to make sure that you are showing your son that he can be anything he wants to be and not just those things? Absolutely. Because me, I am a, I am a brain. I am not an athletic person. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, and you know, and I want him to be able to be, be aware that you can use your mind for great things. Like, you could be successful using your mind. You don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to dribble a ball or, you know, run down no field or anything like that. You can be successful at doing everything you want when you just use your mind. Because that's what I'm pushing. That's why I push the books and everything. Like, I want him to be able to use his mind. Hey, if he's a great athlete, come, you know, when he gets into that, that's amazing. But he will be a a straight A student and in all these extracurriculars and on this football or basketball or whatever team. That will be an added bonus. That won't be the highlight. Yeah. And I think it's great when you can have that position. It's always great when your kid excels in something and you see people's kids excelling Mm -hmm. in something. But making sure that that's not the only focus is is I think it's just as important just because that that is where you see us not being Mm -hmm. owners all the time. When I was growing up, we weren't owning basketball teams. We weren't we weren't even like coaches a lot of times. We weren't general managers. We were just players and that's it. Mm-hmm. So we could see like us being players and then these white guys owning the uh, owning and coaching and telling us what to do. So yeah, I kind of got that feeling from you from talking to you that like yeah, I'm going to instill that he can be a king, that he can be a king in anything and not just one thing, absolutely. not just two things. I just got that absolutely. sense from you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, I don't want I don't want anyone to put my son in a box at all. Because I don't I'm not, I don't like being put in the box. I don't I don't like people to be expecting. Oh, she they should be doing this or they should be doing that. No, I want him to be able to think outside the box, venture outside the box, create a new box. Like, you know, so and that's what I'm instilling into him. So that's why he's like learning sign language. Like, oh. Most people, most kids don't know anything about silence, but he knows a lot. So, you know, just, 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 you know, getting him used to things that's going to prepare him to be an overall outside the box thinker. It sounds like you're doing a good job. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I tried. I tried. <laughs> I only have one, so. <laughs> 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 I, I, I'm curious to see the ones who have three or four or five kids or something. <laughs> How was the experience of being a, a co-parent? I mean, it has its challenges because you have one person who's the primary and then, you know, even when they say like co-parenting, like it's really not co-parenting because there's not 50-50 down, down you know, straight down. It's mm-hmm. not. It's, it's like... It's really, I'm the parent and you're part-time parent, you know? That? <laughs> so, like, that whole term co-parenting is kind of, it's just, just uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, you're, you're like, I, co-parenting to me is like, okay, I take him to school, you picking them up. You feeding them dinner, you know, oh, I'm you getting ready for a bath or something. That's co-parenting, not, 
oh, okay, you probably get them on the weekends. Okay, cool. You probably get them like two evenings out the week. Oh, okay. That's great. That's, but that's not co-parenting. It's not equal co-parenting. It's not. It's not. And to me, so that's why I don't like this little term of co-parenting because it's really not. <laughs> but with my situation, like, um, you know, he's he. I'm definitely the primary, and he, you know, he does all the m- male things. Right, mm-hmm. takes me get his haircut. You know, picks him up when I need him to pick him up. Take him to the dentist because I don't do that because I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> so he does stuff like that. So it helps. Like for us, it works because. He it fits me, mm-hmm. right? So, but hey, other people, hey, whatever works for you guys. <laughs> hey, long as long as your child have some type of relationship with the other parent, and you both respect each other's boundaries and space, and hey, whatever how you how you see it. Is it is it a relief at least having that situation to where he is able to have a relationship with his father, and you do not have to teach him how to be a man in certain aspects? Oh my god, yes. Because right now we're doing that whole potty training thing. And I'm just like, how the heck I'm supposed to do that? Because I can't show him what to do on that part where you have to stand in front of the <laughs> you know? So it's like, yeah, you know, the stages are like you teach him how to sit down first. And then you have to teach him how to stand up. So I'm dreading the whole stand up part. I'm like, oh, yeah, you have to take over for this. Because I can't do that. I can teach him to, do, I can teach him to sit down. But once that next phase of potty training comes, it's going to be like, yeah, you need, to, you need to come on. Come on with this because I can't do it. He needs to see you do it. I can't do it. So, <laughs> so I am definitely just with the potty training, like, yes. But but yeah, but I feel like just even with without him, like without his father or his father being around, just making sure he's around other males, period. Good males. Like he's not around like craziness, but males that I admire and stuff just so he could see like oh yeah that's 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 a man right there like he's so big and strong and his voice is deep and you know just just you know as a two-year-old that's those things you kind of look at right so like, <laughs> oh it's not a woman right so like so I'm just making sure that he is connected to his father connected to other males all the time like he's not surrounded by me all the time he's not surrounded you know by women all the time is keeping him surrounded by strong black men in general is a must because I can't, I mean, I can raise a man, but I can't show him how to be one. Right. So you have, I have to keep that in mind Only could do so much. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely lessons that my mom was able to teach me that my dad couldn't mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it is important to be able to, cause when you have a, when you have a little human being, it's a little mixture of both. Right. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. And it's, it's sometimes he does things. I'm like, oh my god, you just like your daddy, you know. <laughs> Even now at two, like just the, some of his mannerisms, mm-hmm. you be like, how did you pick up on that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. Like it, that's the anticipation when you have a kid. Like, oh, the mixture. What the mixture going to come out like? So, <laughs> what is the biggest joy of being a mom? I think the biggest joy for me of being a mom is waking up to that face like like you could have a I could have a bad day uh I can just be just out of my mind like all day but then it all fades away when I see that little face I don't have a, a, a day of work right but when I go pick him up and he gets to my you know I see him and he runs to me it's just like all my troubles and then washed away right because it's like how can you be angry about life when you have this face in front of you. So like, I just get that joy because he is a sense of enjoyment. Like he's the ultimate enjoyment. So 
And I love that. That's my biggest thing about being a mom is just being able to just see that face all the time. (laughs) So I love it. That's awesome. Well, Latisha, thank you for uh, coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you had me. So I enjoyed it. I love talking about my kids. So there you go. It's an easy (laughs) subject, right? It is. So that's all I have for this episode. Remember that this is a series and the next part will be coming out this Friday and then part four and five will be coming out next week. So make sure you stay tuned for those next episodes. Again, thank you everyone for listening. Still Talking Black is a Crown Culture Media LLC production. It's produced by me, Richard Dodds. Our theme music was created by the DJ Blue. Please make sure to rate and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting app. You can follow the show on Instagram at Still Talking Black. But until next time, keep talking.